they say can be done. We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound just like old bandit runs. Keep your foot hard on the pedal. Some never mind them brakes. Let it all hang out cause we gotta run to make. Welcome to Highway Freak. I'm Fry Guy, your esteemed host, the Road Dog, and standing by, my brother from another mother, it's G-Man the Snarl, and standing by as well is Ramblin' Rose, and of course, Canadian Lady Trucker Janet, and Wild Man Will. So guys, we are real truckers in real life, by the way, that's our slogan, and um, well, speaking of real truckers, I'm sitting in... Tonkawa, Oklahoma, or Tonkawa, Oklahoma, I think it's pronounced. And Jay, where are you tonight? I am in Helena, Montana's capital, by the way. That's great. Well, that, it is yep. so. You should have stopped, stopped by for dinner. It's not very far away. I, didn't even know, I don't even know where you are. She's in Billings, Montana. Oh, no, that, that's not very far from me right now. Only even like that. Yeah. A two and a half hours or so. Well, that. I'm Helena. It's more than that. Oh too yeah, bad, that's I'm right. Too bad I'm going the wrong way. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. Jay was going the other way. Then yeah, he could stop by Rose and. I definitely yeah. would. Savored your amazing pumpkin loaf. I can't even say enough about that mm-hmm. stuff. Banana bread's pretty good as well. I might add. So, um, Chinese mm-hmm. food? Uh, not so much. Not really happy with your Chinese food, your delivery there. We have better hey, stuff now. in Canada. We have better stuff in Canada. But hey, you try. Um, of course, Janet and Will are in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. How cold is it there? Because it just seems winter's hanging on, eh, guys? No, actually, it got up to plus four today. Yeah, it was, oh, it yeah. was pretty warm today. Yeah, it was, it, it, it was really nice today. Oh, so what did you get? Minus two? No, like plus four. Yeah, that's wow. Cool. Oh, there you go. So you're out sunbathing with the old bathing suit on the deck, or what? <laughs> Took the dogs out for a walk, you know. Not quite. Yeah, we saw it was it was warmer than that in Lethbridge. It was uh, upwards around uh, nine degrees Celsius. Well, the weather continues to be weird here in Oklahoma. They had 13 tornadoes last Sunday, and they are uh, in tornadoes tonight again. I got out of there. Um, I went north, and I made it as far as here was as my e-log would only allow um but other than that we're here and uh we did a great ray crone interview last podcast i might add we're doing part two tonight which is going to be more in depth and um coming soon which i will let you know we have the canadian screen queen darby mills we're going to be doing a great interview with this lady i cannot wait to, uh, you know, banter with her about uh, what went on with the headpins and her new uh, band called the Darby Mills Project. But first, let's get into some topics. Uh, I've got some for the ladies. I have the 25 hottest guys. I said I was going to do that in history. And I'm going to also talk about something that I recently uh, stopped by and checked out, and it's called the San Rafael Swell, and boy, does it have some really cool history to it. So I'm going to touch on that. Rose, you got some two topics as well. Uh, what are you going to be talking about, Rose? I am going to be talking about, well, I have my national What Is This Day Day stuff, which I found some interesting ones there. Uh, I am going to talk about the history of the Ouija board. Mm-hmm. And I have a great and, joke. Okay. 
Rose has got a joke. I want to hear that one. Hey, Jay, you have a dark side topic tonight. What's that about? Yes, I do. I am going to take you on a dark little walk. I am going to talk about the dark history of Vegas. And your other topic? Well, something that uh, recently popped up. Um, The mega or the super volcano in uh, Yellowstone National Park is starting to crown. Oh, wow. Great. Okay. I'm in the kill zone, you know. Cool. How about you, Will? Actually, you pretty much... What's that? I said pretty pretty much, if that lets go, say goodbye to uh, anything lower than Edmonton. Okay. So we'll get to that in a minute. I wanted to go into uh, Will's topics and Janet's, and then we'll get into it. How about you, Will? What's your topics? Um, a list of websites just uh, ended up being hacked. And um, it, they, they didn't they didn't enter through um, uh, normal websites. They entered in through Amazon AWS buckets, and then still the information over from there. And uh, it's actually pretty serious. Okay, uh, and what's your other topic? Um, well, it 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 has to do with hacking too. But um, it's 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 a breach against. Uh, I I don't know if you guys have ever heard of uh, LastPass. It might be popular in the U.S., but um, someone has actually figured out how to breach the encrypted password vaults. So. Okay. And uh, Canadian lady Trucker Janet, what do you got on for our freaks tonight? Well, Tesla's building a new gigafactory in North America, and there is a new system to shorten the loading time that's right now in testing. Oh, wow. So... I want to hear Rose's joke. How about you guys? Everybody want to hear Rose's joke? Yeah, I want to hear it too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay, Rose. You're on stage. You believe. All right. And you believe I lasted less than a day as a retail store greeter. A few hours first day on the job, a very loud, unattractive, mean-acting woman came into the store with her two children, yelling at them all the way through the entrance. As I had been instructed, I said pleasantly, good morning and welcome. Nice children you have there. Are they twins? The ugly woman stopped yelling long enough to say, Hell no, they aren't twins. The oldest one is nine and the other one is seven. Why the hell would you think they're twins? Are you blind or are you just stupid? So I replied, I'm neither blind nor stupid, ma'am. I just couldn't believe someone would make a baby with you twice. Have a good day and thank you for shopping at Walmart. probably <laughs> <laughs> wasn't cut out for this line of work. <laughs> this is why I would never be a greeter. <laughs> I was rolling oh. when I read that one. I was like, oh my God. Oh. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I would never have to run that. that. <laughs> okay. All right. Moving um, on. Oh, yeah. on. <laughs> By the way, speaking of funny, we get to hear... A dog sing tonight, guys. Uh, you've probably never heard of it, Rose, and I don't think you have Jay. I know you have Will, and I know I have, and Janet, obviously. We get to hear her dog, Ramsey, sing. So that is coming up as well. So um, I want to get to the dark side of Vegas. I want to hear about this from Jay. So go ahead, Jay, man. Tell us. All right. She of the dark side. Well, in 1905, a little tiny town of Las Vegas, was founded. Now, it was no different than any one-horse town, kind of at the end of the West, of the Old West. 
gambling, prostitution, blah, blah, blah. Well, in 1911, they incorporated and kept the town wide open, which means anything goes, including murder. Murder was not really that much of a crime because most of the time you couldn't catch the guy. There was no law. And anyway, in 1930s, they built the Hoover Dam. Well, with the Hoover Dam, it brought a massive flux of workers, thousands. And with those thousands came the mob. Organized crime took a, took a hold in Las Vegas, and that stayed until 1960. Now, there was no shortage of casinos. There was always casinos and, and, and bars and brothels and everything else in Las Vegas until a gangster named Benjamin Siegel built what was called the Fabulous Flamingo. Now, everybody's heard about the Flamingo Hotel. It's gone now. It's been replaced by a new one. But he borrowed money from other gangsters. And it was up where around, this was, where, this was going back to 1946. So the numbers aren't, they're not really sure on the numbers. It's anywhere between 3 and $6 million for the original Flamingo Hotel. And you figure about that. 3 to $6 million of what would that be in today's money? It would be probably shaking hands with a billion dollars. Like this thing was elaborate. Well, sadly, when he opened it, Nevada was hit with the worst winter in history. The casino was forced to close. He couldn't open it. And sadly, it cost him a bump off. If they had just waited a year, they probably would have made their money back. But anyway, let's get back to even some more spooky shit. It is one of the, it is a very haunted town. Um, every casino on the strip reports paranormal activity, but none other than none can even talk. Uh, the Luxor. Now, you know what Casino the Luxor Hotel is, don't you? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's that really, really funky looking pyramid. Uh-huh. Okay, well, since the day it opened, there has been murders, strange accidents, ghost sightings. Um, a lot of people claim that it's because of they used to have um, Egyptian artifacts in the hotel. They actually had a mock Nile River, and they, a lot of people believe that they basically got these spirits upset. Now, there are um, people who have committed suicide, out, <laughs> suicide there, probably from losing all their money. Um, people have been murdered there. They've been found shot full of holes in their rooms. Um, but there's a ghost. There's a ghost of a woman, um, and she tries to strangle you. People have... <laughs> People have been uh, have been woken up with the feeling of fingers around their neck squeezing and seeing this woman. I mean, it's it's a spooky place. I mean, it's uh, like Las Vegas is is uh, is one of the top ten haunted cities in, in in North America. But the Luxor is the most haunted of the places on the Strip. Now, I found a few little interesting tidbits on uh, facts of, uh, and these are kind of really dark. I mean, this is stuff you don't want that, you know, you're not going to find in a tourist pamphlet. Underneath Las Vegas, there's about 200 to 250 miles of storm tunnels so that the rain, the, the floodwaters get washed out. Well, down in those tunnels is over a thousand to roughly 1,500 homeless people. It's an entire city. Don't go down there because 
their crime runs runs rampant. It's drugs. I mean, these poor people, they're lost souls, right? They're homeless. They have they have nothing. Another, how do they get how do they get down there? I have no idea. I have no idea. I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find anything on how you get down there. I guess it's not something that people want to do, right? Um, I brought up, I was talking to you earlier. Um, prostitution is illegal in Nevada. And I'm going to get to how it's illegal. You must be certified by the state. You must be drug tested. You must be tested for sexual disease. And you must put up a bond. If you don't do that, you're going to jail. And you can get up to 10 years. So, if you're thinking about becoming a hooker, don't just run down to Vegas and stand on the street corner. <laughs> you might end up in the clink. Feeding the homeless is banned. You can go to you can go to jail for feeding the homeless in Vegas. Totally not allowed. Wow, that's Have you ever heard? This is another thing. This is this is that. And what this is this is where I'm getting into the. The changing of the guard, okay? This is where the mob and family entertainment comes in. Now, the mob, everybody knows the mob ran Vegas, but it ended in, in, in the 1960s. And what ended it was Howard Hughes. Now, every, yeah, everybody knows who Howard Hughes is. Um, he, was a, he was a billionaire. He made movies. He owned TransWest Airlines. He built the Spruce Goose. Um, he was uh, nuttier than a fruitcake. He um, was also a test pilot. Any built any ship, he, uh, plane he built, he test he test flew it himself. Crashed many times. He was actually he actually died in the Nevada desert in a motorcycle accident. Now, um, Las Vegas was highly segregated. Okay? Black people were actually forced to live way on the outskirts of town. They couldn't even work in Vegas. They were allowed. Now, what changed that? Two actors, Jack Benny and Frank Sinatra. Now, what had happened is Frank, uh, Jack Benny in 1957 is um, I can't remember the, the man's the man's name, but he played he played Rochester Van Jones on the Jack Benny show, and of course he was black, funnier than hell. He was refused a, a room, so Jack Benny said, "Well, you either give the man a room, or we don't do our show." Now, back in those days, Jack Benny was one big draw. Um, so they bent. Again, Sammy Davis Jr. was refused a room in 1960. And Frank Sinatra pulled out. He just said, fine, whatever. We're out of here. And he wouldn't play Vegas until they changed the, changed the rule. And that was the beginning of the end for the segregation. What made the kind of, it was Howard Hughes, brought in the family. He, he started making Vegas into somewhere that, man, you could even bring your kids. I wouldn't bring my kids there, but each their own. That's where the mob started losing control. And that's pretty much the dark side of, of Vegas. Any questions? Any questions? Well, I have a little history. El Cortez casinos in Las Vegas was yes. actually used by Bugsy's people for a training uh, hotel for until they got the Flamingo Bill. Absolutely, and, yes. That's, mm -hmm, and, yes. And it was run by John Gone. Um, and my mom, well, actually, I, I call him Jackie Gone because my he's from Omaha, Nebraska. And my mom used to babysit their kids, Michael um, and then Jackie John Gone Jr. And she said, Michael was gross. Oh, I hope he's not 
throw a wife, so <laughs> he would throw such a fit. But as soon as my mom would like pull out a piece of gum out of her pocket, then he'd settle down and be good. And Mrs. Dodd gave my mom this necklace that she actually ended up wearing at her wedding. And I have it now. Um, and I always wanted to get out there. My mom used to go out there quite a bit. My mom and dad used to ride the train out there all the time for a weekend or whatever because my dad worked for Union Pacific Railroad, and that's back when employees could get free train travel. And so she used to visit Jackie Gone out there a lot. So it's just like, it's kind of neat that he has a connection of history to Omaha, which is where I'm from originally. So that, that doesn't probably mean anything to y'all because you're not from there, but I always thought that was cool. So that's my little... That's really cool. I know. That's really cool. Well, the thing about about Bugsy, the thing about Bugsy Siegel is he was never called Bugsy to his face. Really? Yeah. Well, Bugsy back in those days meant you meant nuts. Oh. Yeah. If you wanted to live, you didn't call him Bugsy to his face. He'd shoot you. He was a psychopath. (laughs) Um, Very violent man. Also very flamboyant. If he liked you, you had a friend for life. If he didn't like you, you'd probably end up in... uh, you're probably one of the guys that, that ended up show, popping up in Lake Mead when it went down. Um, <laughs> but uh, he, he, in history, if you go back in history, um, there were three men that made organized crime organized. And it was uh, Lucky Luciano, Maya Lansky, and our good friend of the... There you go. Mob, what it is. Thanks what it is. There you go. Next week, we are going to talk about Chicago. Dark side of Chicago. Yep, the capital, the cap, the the serial killer capital of North America. All right, the dark side continued with J Man the Snarl next week. Okay, Janet, you're up. What do you to talk about there, gal? Okay, first thing I've got to talk about is the Tesla being built, uh, the Tesla Gigafactory, right? So they're planning on building it in Mexico. Um, near Monterey, Mexico, and they say that it's going to create about 6,000 jobs. Now, it's about 136 miles from the Texas-Mexican border, and they're not quite sure yet, um, or they haven't at least specified what kind of vehicles they're going to be building there. Um, The auto factories, they're currently doing auto factories and auto parts productions and assembly uh, in California, Michigan, Nevada, Germany, Netherlands, and China. So, uh, and as we all know, a lot of our trucks are being built in Mexico, which uh, I'll hold my opinions on that. Um, They don't have an opening date yet. Um, And uh, let's see, what else? Uh, Mexico is also looking at supplementing or they're considering um, doing battery production as well. The government has decided that that's what they're going to do now. And uh, what else? Uh, Basically, Mexico, uh, the Mexican plant is only there to supplement all the other factories, so it's not going to be taken away from any jobs anywhere else, apparently. It's just going to be adding to the global network of production. Didn't uh, recently there was in the news that like a lot of Tesla vehicles were being recalled because they were basically crashing into things? Well, so actually recently, I can, and I can speak on this because I know exactly what they were recalled. Uh, so Teslas were recalled over 300,000, but they were, you can't really call it a recall. 
because um, what had happened was the the actual system itself, it, um, like it, it can drive straight, it can stop, whatever, but it wasn't recognizing like left hand turns and right hand turns. So Elon Musk himself um, voluntarily did a recall of over three hundred thousand Teslas. They can't really call it a recall though, because he didn't lose money. All it needed was an update. People got updated, and um, I mean, I I I don't I, I don't really support the idea of Tesla cars because batteries do like mining for the batteries there's a lot more harm to uh the earth than oil and gas but i uh, yeah I, I i don't know um elon musk went from like i don't know what, what was it like top five top five richest to like literally the richest in in just uh i think under six months again i wanted to mention about the the funniest one i don't know if you read this is when the guy was sleeping in florida in the Tesla car, and it hit a cop car. That, <laughs> that is, that's priceless. That's I priceless. care about that. <laughs> see, and, 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 and this is why I don't, I, like, I, I don't see how they can just turn everything all automated. Like, you, you need someone behind the wheel. Conscious, I might add, not asleep. <laughs> exactly. Well, there's a lot of these people sleeping in Teslas that are getting, uh, you know, arrested uh, or, or charged for... Uh, sleeping in the car because you're not supposed to be sleeping in the car while it's driving. They're driverless cars, but you aren't. If you're sleeping in the car and something happens, you are at fault. Exactly. Oh, exactly. I, I guess play stupid game, games win stupid prizes, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, well, that's good. Uh, I, I always wanted to, I always like to hear about Elon Musk and Tesla and, you know, um, the latest uh, things that are going on with that, Janet. So that was a good topic. So, um, well, you were just uh, alluding to uh, some hacking there earlier. So let's talk about some hacking again. <laughs> again. Yeah, it's... um. So there was actually containers. So, okay, so websites, they, they run on what's called servers. And a lot of the websites now run on what's called AWS containers, which is Amazon Web Service containers. And... um. The, the, like like the websites are are com like completely secure, but the server they're attached to has uh, vulnerabilities, and uh, that's what we're seeing right now. Um, like someone was actually able to hack into the main server that controls I don't know hundreds if not thousands of domains, and uh, they're they're able to get um, all the credentials from you know big big type or like. Big name lawyer companies. There, I, I, there, there, there's a lot of of things involved in this, and uh, they actually. So what they ended up doing after uh, going into the system, uh, they escalated the privileges, and then, which means basically going from uh, user to administrative uh, privilege in a console, um, so you can do more, and they ended up uh, making a, what's called a bash file, and. Uh, sending a crypto miner to the server. So anything that's connected to that server is gonna is gonna be affected by that, right? But um, they they did that um, all while uh, disabling. Uh, get this, they disabled what's called cloud trail logs, which on Amazon, like Amazon Web Service, it, it's literally the logs that log the, the IPs of who's visiting. So they're not even able to tell who hacked into there. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Well, I had a simple hacking incident this, this weekend. Um, I got an email from my bank, 
and it said um, there's a problem with your account, and then gives you the little blue thing to click on, you know, yeah. for more information, go to this. And I thought, well, that's really odd. And then I went online and checked my account, nothing was amiss. And, you know, I'm sorry, but if somebody's going to hack my account, good luck, you're going to be really disappointed. So I was just <laughs> like, but anyway, on Monday, I called the bank, um, and I said to the lady, you know, this is what happened. She goes, yeah, it's, it's a hack. And she said a lot of people will click on that. And then they ask you for all this information, all your information, because yeah. you think you're talking to the bank. And then they have all your information. She said, we would never ask for that information. She said, we already have it. And she said, they'll send out those emails like Friday night after six o'clock and over the weekend because then, of course, what? Oh, the bank is closed. And so you can't call the bank and say, hey, what's going on? Yeah. And so people kind of get nervous and then they, you know. So be aware of that. Even just something as simple as an email coming in, they don't apparently don't know where they're coming from or they can't control it. But it had my bank's name and everything on it. So well, even something as simple as that. Rose, I, I, I'm actually really glad you brought that up because it gives me the opportunity right now to um, remind everybody that uh, there is a site called VirusTotal.com. If you go to VirusTotal.com, uh, after uh, copying the link, don't click it, um, you can paste it into the URL section of VirusTotal.com, search it up, and it will tell you if the link is legitimate or not. Yeah, so it, it'll either say, like, uh, clean or malicious or phishing. And phishing uh, is so the pH. So it got brought to my attention the other day. Actually, it was my girlfriend I, that had asked me this. Um, she asked me, well, why do you spell uh, phishing with a pH instead of, like, with an F? And, you know, I, I honestly, I, I didn't know the answer to that, right? So I had to search it up. And apparently um, the pH comes from... Uh, an old hack you could do with uh, telephones, right? Now, now telephones, uh, just real quick, I'm gonna to touch on this. Telephones, they, they didn't recognize your number. If you dialed 1-800, um, you know, uh, Susie is a freak, it, 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 it wouldn't, th th those numbers, it wouldn't recognize those numbers. What it recognizes is the hertz. So the frequency going through the uh, dial tone. So there's a technique back in the day called phone freaking. And phishing is actually, takes the pH from uh, the start of phone and implements it into there. So um, I don't know if you've ever heard of phone freaking, but it was it was the art of being able to make long distance phone calls for free because the uh, the, the the companies you know they're they're set up to to be on a certain frequency once you reach a certain frequency with, with the dial tone because that's all all the system recognizes. You you'd then be able to bypass the first bridge and get onto the second bridge. Right, which you know is your long distance bridge, but yeah. <laughs> Jay, I think you had a a phone call recently that was a scam phone call. You want to? Oh yes, bro. I get I get I get those quite a bit. I get quite a few of those. Um, yes, I had um, <laughs> Canada call me, um, threatening me with uh, um, jail. Now, okay, it isn't even tax time yet. <laughs> um, apparently, according to these people, I'm I haven't filed taxes in, in years. That's really odd because I got my <laughs> I did my taxes last year, and if I didn't send them money, a thousand dollars or yeah, a thousand dollars to start with in gift cards, they were going to call the police. Huh. 
Um, my question was, is since when did uh, Revenue Canada start taking Amazon cards? <laughs> right? So, and, and, and like, you know, a lot of people will say, well, it, it came up as a, a CRA or whatever. Yeah, there, there's, also a, there's also a technique called um, spoofing. So, like, I could take uh, Jay's phone number, call Brian off of Jay's phone number, and it would show up as Jay calling. But it's really Will behind it, right? You bastard. <laughs> wow. More, oh, yeah. more fishing scams. Go ahead. Oh, I get those a lot. Um, here in Montana, there's a place called Two Dot. E-O-W-E-O-T, Two Dot, Montana. There's all these little itsy bitsy towns in Montana. So when the phone will ring, it'll say, you know, 406, and then with this little town, and I'll be like, okay, I don't know anybody there. So then, you know, you get uh, mates from the Philippines, I said to him one time, I said, did you get that name out from a list in your training class, Nate? Because uh, I can guarantee there's nobody in the Philippines named Nate. <laughs> it's like, okay, they must give you a list in your training class. But anyway, and I'll say, um, you, where are you calling from? Because you're not calling from Montana. And then they'll, and I said, that's false representation. You're saying you're calling from Montana and you're not quick. Whatever they're selling, they hang up because, you can't say you're calling from Montana if you're not calling from Montana. I don't think. Is there be a law against that? Or is there a law against that? I don't know. I don't think there's a law against it, but <laughs> they don't know that. <laughs> it, sound, it sounds awfully deceptive. I mean, yeah. So anyway, I don't know. I guess they think you have comfort in the fact that it's a local number when it is not a local number. So. Yeah, so, and, 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 like, uh, I'm just gonna touch on how these scammers get your phone number, okay? So, what, what these call centers will do is that they'll start making bids, right, on, uh, people's information. Say, like, uh, okay, Facebook's selling 50 million accounts or whatever, right? And j j just figuratively, um, people actually, like, pay thousands of dollars for the information on there, and then, I mean, yeah, you know, you think, oh, who wants to search for 50 million accounts just to get one phone number? They, they don't, they don't care. They just take lists, right? They'll, they'll give a thousand to each person. They'll say, hey, try, try making money off of this. And then, uh, uh, at the end of it, uh, chances are they'll try to get you on, on what's called Team Viewer to, uh, hack your account. They'll say, oh, you know, uh, too much money was sent, whatever. And they'll use the going to inspect element, make it look like on your side that you know they deposited twenty thousand. When they uh, when you know uh, in fact nothing's been deposited, then they're uh, they they uh, like all tell you, oh you have to send fifteen back. So you send them fifteen thousand dollars of an account uh, that doesn't have that, right? So like w w what I like to do is I like to tell people to refresh their browser because um, if if you happen to fall victim to to, to one of these scams refreshing your browser will always show you the truth. So the moral of the story is refresh your browser. Refresh your browser, clear, clear your cookies. Clear your cookies, refresh your browser. <laughs> yeah. Get a little get a little wiser, and there you go. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to do a break. Uh, so we're going to be back with my topic, the San Rafael Swell.
It measures approximately, get this, 75 by 40 miles and 217,000 acres in size. Massive, massive, massive place. I've probably been by it because I've done I-70, mind you, I've only done it a couple of times, and never in the winter. I'm never crazy enough to go through Eisenhower Junction in the middle of winter. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I, and I hear you. And I didn't want to do all of I-70, so I geared off at Green River, but before that I wanted to see this. And um, it consists of giant dome-shaped artisaline rock formations. Now, um, you're probably wondering what the heck the word artisaline mean? Well, I didn't know, so I looked it up. It's a type of fold which is a stack of originally planned surfaces such as sedimentary strata rocks. To understand these type of rocks, they are formed by the accumulation or disposition of mineral or organic particles at the Earth's surface followed by um, cementation. Now, in layman's terms, for you, Jay, it's smooth bent or curved rock. <laughs> In permanent deformation. So, I thought I'd throw that in. The rocks consist of oh. sandstone, shale, and limestone that were pushed and formed 40 to 60 million years ago. Frequent flash flooding occurs here, and it erodes the rocks constantly and makes the formations stable and unstable. Okay? Um, you get valleys, you get canyons, gorges, mesas, buttes, badlands... You name it, you get it there, okay? There's numerous evidence of Native American culture here as well, including numerous pictographs on the rocks that you will find everywhere in the San Rafael Swell, um, especially in the lower area, which I'll get into in a minute, um, including the Fremont culture. Now, the Fremont Indians, they were pre-Columbian archaeological uh, culture people, which got their name from the Fremont River. And they did many pictographs of rocks, so you'll see these before the Great Flood. Uh, the Fremont River itself is named after John Charles Fremont, an American explorer. And thus, the Fremonts were actually there from 1 AD after death to 1301, which is about 700 to 2,000 years ago. Also, they have the the peyote culture that lives in the Colorado River Basin of southern Nevada, northern Africa, uh, northern Arizona, and southern Utah. It should be noted that the uh, Piante men, I think it's pronounced, have their beards almost like Spanish men. And the Ute, which the state of Utah is actually named after the Ute tribe or people. I did not know that. That's kind of interesting. So, from 1776 to the mid-1850s, the old Spanish tra trail, trade route, passed through um, the northern part of the swell. In the past 150 years, area of the swell that was used for grazing of sheep and cattle and also for uranium mining. The swell has been used by Hollywood filmmakers as a location setting for alien planets, including the planet Vulcan, in the 2009 film Star Trek, and the alien world in Galaxy Quest. So, generally, if you see a space movie and it looks alien-like, it's generally been filmed on the swell. Um, in 2002, Governor Mike Levette of Utah proposed the creation of the San Rafael Swell as a national monument. At one time, the San Rafael Swell was home to hundreds of dinosaurs. Well over 15,000 bones have been excavated from the Jurassic excavation site near Cleveland, Utah, in the swell. 
including a perfect skull cast of the Allosaurus fragilis, a close cousin of the T-Rex. And I've never heard of this thing. It was a carnivorous theropod dinosaur about 38 feet long in length and 16.5 feet tall. The skull was three foot long with two short brow horns and bony, um, uh, bony ridges above its eyes and on top of its head. It had large, powerful jaws with long, sharp, serrated teeth that were two to four inches in length. So back to the swell. You can find numerous evidence, like I said, of the pictographs done by the previous native cultures. You can also find the one-of-a-kind endangered plant species known as the San Rafael cactus or the Despain's cactus. It was discovered by Kim Despain in 1978. Now, this is a cool, cool cactus. It's egg-shaped in size or somewhat rounded, and it grows up to 6 centimeters tall and 9 inches wide. Oddly enough, it shrinks in size and actually disappears under the ground in dry and cold in hot summer months, the plant produces a flower that's 2.5 centimeters long and wide with yellow or pink capels, the other, which is the outer parts of the flower, by the way. Um, threats to these species, though, because it is endangered, include off-road vehicles, plant poachers, never heard of that word, gypsum mining, and petroleum exploration. And you actually have to watch your footing as well. So we like, you know, Jay and I, you, we, we could never walk our animals around there because the dogs get the cactuses in there and um, I know Jay you were talking about way back getting a cactus in your hand but could you imagine a cactus yeah. of that wow that that would be just horrible um, it's also a very dangerous area for people in April 19 2022 just well last last year in fact two men died from falling in separate incidents Craig Barlow, age 50, of Salt Lake, was sitting on a boulder in the upper black box area on a ledge, watching his friends repel. Suddenly, the uneven rock formation collapsed, causing Craig Barlow to fall 50 feet and land in two to three feet of water. Miraculously, he was still alive, but he actually died in a nearby hospital from his injuries. The following Saturday, another man fell to his death, repelling in a place called Farnsworth Canyon. Arlo Lott, age 41, from Steamboat Springs, Colorado, fell 70 feet after his rappelling broke loose. The anchor actually broke loose. So the rocks are dangerous there, and they can be so dangerous, but so are the rivers. Hiking in the lower black box can be very tragic, and it was recently for a 38-year-old Colorado resident, Sterling Cooper, and his son. He and his 12-year-old son, Brandon, were hiking and mountain biking in the San Rafael Swell. Then, father and son planned to float four miles through a popular lower black box canyon with inner tubes. That's their first mistake. Beginning at Swazi Leap, the San Rafael River was flowing at 264 cubic feet per second. It is strongly recommended that canyoneers only enter that canyon at 30 cubic feet per second. As the pair passed under Swazi's Leap, the water became swift and treacherous. They discarded their inner tubes and they attempted to reverse course, but the water was too deep and swift. To escape the clutches of the gorge, they decided to scale the 350-foot north wall. This would normally require proper training, ropes, and technical climbing gear, which they don't have. The father and son managed to actually escape from the river and climb the rock up to about 200 feet when the older Cooper lost his footing and fell to his death. Now, 12-year-old Brandon 
somehow climbed another 150 feet of sheer rock just basically through adrenaline and determined will to get help for his father. He even marked the area where his father fell for a potential rescue, but alas, the father didn't make it. And here's another interesting thing. It took the search and rescue people five hours to recover the elder Cooper's body. Two search and rescue climbers were also injured from falling rocks as well. There are numerous people that actually commit suicide on these rocks as well that fall to their deaths. Uh, I won't get into that, but it's a treacherous area, but it's a spectacular, beautiful area. So you can take it for what it is. When you saw those pictures of Bandit and I, he was safe. I wasn't doing anything dangerous. I had some weird comments from my highway freaks saying, oh my God, look, at he's on the edge. He's not on the edge. Um, if you go to Highway Freaks, I put up some pictures recently of our visit to the San Rafael Swell, and I was I was in awe. I think it's a great place, and I'd go there again. I certainly wouldn't do anything dangerous to, you know, um, threaten my boy's life in any way, shape, or form. So, uh, but it's pretty cool. So, if you guys haven't seen it, put it on your bucket list to see it in your lifetime because it is spectacular. Um, just think of it like the Grand Canyon in Utah. Oh, wow. It's cool. It's very cool. Okay, so, Rose, you got another topic. How about her? Okay, well, I actually have a couple of them, but um, we have the National um, Fig Day, which was March 1st, although that's past now, but I did make ribs here at home, so that's one way to celebrate that. And it was also National Peanut Butter Day. Um, there's a lot of interesting facts. There's 540 peanuts goes into a 12-ounce jar of peanut butter. And Mr. Ed, does anybody remember that, the tea show? They used yeah. peanut butter in his mouth get him to move his mouth to look like a horse talking. And peanut butter was called, in World War II, was slang, it was called monkey butter. And who invented the peanut butter cup? It was Harry Burnett Reese, who was the founder of the A.T. Reese Candy Company and invented it in 1928. And I have the world's peanut butter cookies. One cup of peanut butter, one cup of sugar, one egg, mix it together, form little balls with uh, the dough, and bake at 350 degrees for six to eight minutes. Best peanut butter cookies you'll ever have. And we have coming up on the 5th of March, National Pound Cake Day. And why is it called a pound Okay, I'll tell you. It's called a pound cake because, and I never knew this, it takes uh, the recipe calls for a pound of butter, a pound of flour, a pound of eggs, a pound of sugar. Add about two tablespoons of vanilla to that. Mix it all up. 300 degrees. To make in a couple loaf pans. And there you go. For about, uh, make it for about an hour and 15 minutes. So I never knew why it was called pound cake, but it, cause it doesn't have any leavening in it like a normal cake does. And so it's a lot denser and heavier. You don't put any baking soda or baking powder in it. And that's what causes it to be denser and heavier. And because of the ingredient tense, it's called pound cake. So, those are just some fascinating days that have been at the beginning of March. And I also have the history of the Ouija board. And I'm kind of one of these people that when I watch a movie or I read something, I like to invest in it. I, I'm not just, oh, I'm just watching the movie. It's not good enough for me. I'm, we watched this movie the other day called Ouija, and then it was like the prequel to it. Um, so I was like, well, where did the Ouija boards come from? Because now, I don't know if anybody of, of you all have had any experiences with an actual Ouija board or actually participating in one. I yep. never have. Yep. My mother and would never allow one. It, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, okay. it was completely well, we'll a negative the- one. Although, although 
I, I, I think me, Brian, and Jay all know somebody that um that uh says Ouija boards aren't 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 uh, anything to worry about. But I mean, I think they're different. <laughs> Well, okay, so I, I know, I know it's uh, it's definitely something, and um, yeah, I uh, I will get into that later podcast. We'll, we'll go we'll go into a couple of those stories at the end here, but um, and if you guys ever had those magic eight balls, like when those were really popular when we were kids, you know, you asked mm-hmm. a question, I remember that. It has a, yeah, and you ask it a question, and and then you turn it over, and it'll say yeah, yes, definitely, or no, or you know, so so basically. It was just ask a question, get an answer. And originally, the Ouija board started out as the Marvelous Talking Board, was officially manufactured in 1897 by the American Toy Company as a scientific, fascinating, and entertaining for young and old. Talk about the past, present, and future with wonderful accuracy. Both one ad in the monthly magazine selling the board via the mail for $1, which is equal to $36.04 in 2023 months. In 1901, Charles Kennard, who had worked for the American Toy Company, started his own Kennard Novelty Company and his own coffee board, naming it, which means good luck, ancient Egyptian. The way we look at a Ouija board, now we think, why would you want to be opening the gates of hell? But opening the gates of hell wasn't on anyone's mind Back when the Kennard Novelty Company started the Ouija board, they were just looking for ways to open America's wallet. The Kennard Novelty Company went from one factory in Baltimore to two factories in Baltimore, two in New York, two in Chicago, and one in London at the height of popularity. It was, they were very popular during the 1920s. Kennard, Charles Kennard got out of his toy company, and an employee and stockholder, William Fold, took over the running of the company. And in 1927, Fold died after a freak accident when he fell off the roof of his new factory he was building because the Ouija board called him to build it. In 1967, Parker Brothers bought the Ouija board game from the Fold Company, selling 2 million boards that year, outselling the Monopoly game. The Ouija board was seen basically as a non-threatening fund, even often advertised as a family gift put under the Christmas tree until 1973. When the exorcist scared pants off of people in theaters with all the pea soup and skinny heads and supposedly the true story based on 12-year-old Reagan being possessed by a demon after playing with the Ouija board changed the way people saw the board. That was the introduction of the more demonic, <laughs> demonic side of the Ouija board. And there are over 109 movies that are either prominently about the Ouija board or Ouija board is you know, so it's a very popular part of American culture, which did not originally start out a source of uh, having a demonic spirit come in your house. Now, personally, like I say, I never, I've never touched one, I've never played one. Um, so, what are some of your experiences? No comment. I've never played with one. Okay. I've well, never played with one for the for the simple reason is I was warned when I was younger by my mom that if I ever brought one of those into my house, she would stick it up my ass sideways and uh, beat me to death with the bloody thing that goes around in uh, point. So I just know. Oh, okay. Wow. Well, yeah. well, my mom wasn't quite that graphic. I just know that it was never welcome in our house. So I, will, I don't really even remember any of the four kids having one. I will go into a Sorry. story yeah. that, that, yeah. that, that is going to really mess you up, okay? So <clears throat> um, I'm going to interject 
uh, in front of everybody right now because uh, I, I think this is going to be the only story that's told. Um, and so there's a house, like, like the house that my mom and I live in had some extremely uh, violent things happen in it. Like right after we got the house, like uh, th- there was doors that were kicked in. There were frames that were off uh, off the hinges. There was, um, you could tell that somebody had broken into the house at one point, like booted in the door, uh, booted in uh, the bedroom door and then the bathroom leading into that uh, uh, bedroom. Now there was, I don't know, we, we, we've, we've always kind of had like weird anomalies happen, but it was just like too coincidental uh, for for everything, and you know the, uh, there were major major signs of abuse, and um, I don't know my my friends kept seeing things, and I I got curious, man. So with Ouija boards, they don't always you don't always have to get them from a a, a legitimate supplier. You you don't even have to make it out of wood or metal. You can literally take a piece of paper, you can copy a Ouija board, tr- uh, trace it on a piece of paper. And then use that piece of paper as a Ouija board. Now, um, when when we did this, um, I, I ended up like um, I, I I mean I I kind of had to test uh, the, the test the person I I was doing it uh, like with because I wanted to make sure that they weren't like messing around with me and stuff. And you, you, you know, um, we both had taken our hands off of uh, the object that we were using, and it it literally started moving by itself. So I had my answer, and so I started asking the questions, you know, and you know how they say, um, you ask and you shall receive, well, we we asked uh, a couple of questions, such as, you know, um, what had happened in that house and stuff, and and, and, and whatever came through, um, whether it was the, the right portal to access or whatever, whatever came through had, had told us that uh, there was a young female that had been assaulted in that house and um i'm not going to really go into details but you know um that house i'm sure my mom can protest to this uh it um that house has had almost like what i would call a dark cloud over it and um there was a lot of things that just weren't adding up and after the ouija board um uh, a lot of my suspicions were confirmed to be true um now I don't know how much of it to believe because they say that ghost is a lie as well, but I do know that it was pretty spot on for you know the experiences that that, that uh, I I and my friends were experiencing at, at least. It, it, I I don't know if everything was true, but it said there was like abuse that happened in the basement of my house that uh, um, created a death and uh, the person that had died was you know at one point hid in that basement and. Um, here's the thing, uh, when I asked, um, the, the name of the entity, whatever, um, the doors on the cupboard, every single door on the cupboard downstairs ended up slamming at the same time, and it shook the house to a point where the pictures fell off the wall upstairs, and, uh, at this point, like, me and my friend were, like, scared, we, we were, like, we didn't sleep at all that night, the, this, the, the, the incidents happened around 4 a.m., by the time 6 a.m., 7 a.m. had happened, we were already at a church trying to get a priest to go in and bless the house. It was weird. And then, because uh, I was scared, uh, they say when you close a Ouija board or or a quote-unquote portal to, like, um, close it properly. Well, apparently we, I closed it improperly by burning the piece of shit, you know? So, um, 
that didn't help. But yeah, it, it was a very, very weird experience, and I don't, I, I really don't suggest anybody try it. Yeah, even even when we had the priest come in. Yeah. Um, and we didn't tell him much of anything. We just said, you know, we'd like him to bless the house, and you know, and uh, he came in. He walked right to my daughter's room, and my daughter passed away in that room. We hadn't said a thing, and he right away said, "Oh, someone passed away here." So. Yeah, it was very eerie. Wow. Uh, that, that, it was that, that, it was really weird. Yeah, that seems. Because I mean, I was I was skeptical because I was on the mm. road when this happened, and when I came home, you know, I had to come home the following day, and yeah, Will was pretty well, freaked out. So was well, his friend. Yeah, that that same priest actually came downstairs with me, um, and the first the first comment that came out of this this guy's mouth was. This is the coldest basement I've ever been in. And, like, I, I kind of looked at him like, what are you insinuating? And then he, he, he had said that the, the, the next comment was, there's a very dark spirit laying here. And I was like, okay, just get rid of it, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we actually live in? I, I, we still live in it. I still live in the house. Wow. In fact. Yeah, this is how she lives now? Yeah. So, yeah. so th this is why I, I wouldn't live downstairs for, like, in the basement for the longest time. But now my home is literally where all of the weird anomalies happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, the, the priest also left us some holy water. Okay. Like, drenching everything with holy water. <laughs> you know, but well, we I did. mean, it, it was just really weird. We did. There, there, there were crosses that were also blessed, and then the crosses were put up on the wall. Uh, there's one cross in particular that is still in the same place it was when I was, because this happened when I was younger, so I, I think I was like 14 or 16 at the time. It's still in the same original place as as, as that priest put it. Yeah. Crazy. Wow. Yeah, weird. I got crazy about that. Okay, J-Man. Yes, sir. You have another topic yeah. on your mind. It's, so it's kind of an interesting topic. It, it wasn't my first call. But um, everybody's heard about the the super volcano in um, Yellowstone. Now it's made the news again. Now, of course, all the doom and gloomers. It's going to blow up. It's going to do this. It's going to do that. No, every month the United States uh, geological um, that part of the government re releases this study. That's all this is. Now, of course. The cauldra is growing. It's been growing for 640,000 years. Um, nothing is happening that shouldn't be happening. Um, but, of course, CNN took, got the story, and now it's all over the Internet how this thing is going to blow up. Uh, it's not going to blow up. Um, well, it could. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a geologist. But I was reading their study. Um, earthquakes are actually down. They only had 48 in the last month. I guess that's a good thing. Um, as far as supervolcanoes go, the Yellowstone supervolcano is not even close to the biggest in the world. The biggest in the world is in Indonesia, and it's about three times the size of the Yellowstone supervolcano. Now, if the supervolcano in, in, in Yellowstone does decide to go off, it's going to do catastrophic damage. Like a lot of us are just going to die. I'm cold. You're in the you're in the kill zone. I'm um, in the kill zone. Yeah. What that means, you probably wouldn't even know what hit you. 
Right. Um, do you remember? Do you remember Mount St. Helens? Yeah. Okay. 1980? Remember how? Remember how big yeah. that was? This super volcano is eight thousand times more powerful. Oh joy! That's scary. Okay. Because that's just a baby. That's I mean, just a baby. Even in Calgary, the one Calgary. in Indonesia, the one in Indonesia is uh, fourteen thousand greater wow. than Mount St. Helens. So. They figure it may or may not go off in the next hundred years. They have no idea. It's impossible for them to know. Um, so relax, boys and girls. Take a long weekend because, you know, we're not going to die. He numbers up. He numbers up. That's all. Well, that's how I look at it. Um, but how they, and it's really cool, it's how they measure this is by the strength of the geyser. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really fascinating. Sense. Like, do you remember, this is really cool. There was a, oh, about, uh, oh, I guess it's got to be about six years ago now, they had that massive volcanic underwater volcano went off, caused that tsunami in uh, just off, off of the coast of B.C. Like, the tsunami didn't turn out to be much of anything. But the yeah. volcano that went off... Um, all the hot springs in BC went cold. Yeah, I remember that. Cold? Nope, they're back to normal. They're back yeah. to normal. Oh, wow. Um, but but it just it just shows how everything's linked. Um, mm. I've been hearing since I was a little kid about Mount Baker because Mount Baker steams. Like every once in a while, you'll see jets of steam come out of it. Um, yeah. Another one, another volcano is is um, uh, Mount Rainier. Yeah. Uh, if uh, there was a movie, there was a movie I believe with Tommy Lee Jones where a volcano went off in Los Angeles. There is a volcano under Los Angeles. Are you talking San Andreas? I can't remember oh. the name of the movie. The San Andreas? No, no, no. It, no. Well, it is connected. Yeah. But this is an actual. This is an actual um, magma um, volcano, and it's dormant, but it is actually underneath Los Angeles. And another one is. Downtown Vancouver, there's a dormant volcano. Well, I mean, if you're worried about volcanoes killing you, you know, they're all over the world. They're everywhere. Yeah. You know, and I just found it very interesting when I read that. Oh, here we go, the doom and gloomers again. And all it was is they re they they put out a report every month. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we actually get that, that in the buildings. Does that paper? They that's right. Or in our paper. Because of yeah. the um, who are the what's the group that uh, um, did the uh, when um, Louisiana got wiped out by that hurricane? There was that government group. What is the name of that group? I I can't find the name of it. Um, oh. It starts with an F. Starts with FEMA. An F. Well, any and uh, FEMA. That's it. Back in 2016. When the first scare came, they put together with governments like state governments and provincial governments because Alberta, Saskatchewan, and BC will be hugely affected. They put together a kind of a uh, how to react, and that's where this seismic thing came up. I mean, they constantly monitor, monitor this. Um, if there's going to be, like, you will probably have notice, not like Mount St. Helens. When Mount St. Helens went off, um, they had five hours of notice. The technology well, today, they probably figured they would know within two to three weeks. That's how good the technology is. Um, 
it's not just going to up and go like that. They're going to know. That's how, that's how far advanced the technology has come. And I asked these Canadians a couple of questions um, because the information that I that I have known about is that the eruption will like kill, which ninety thousand I think is an outdated number because Wyoming will be gone, Montana will be gone, and uh, there'll be now I I have ten feet uh, a layer of molten ash will go as far as a thousand miles from the kill zone. So how how much is a hundred kilometers? How deep is that? <laughs> well, that's 60 miles. Yeah, 64.5 miles. Okay, so immediately, it's then 100, it's 100 kilometers will uh, spread at the speed of sound, will be obliterated, obliterated in, at the speed of sound within 60 miles immediately. And then how much is uh, three meters? Three meters, three meters is, is about is, 10 is, feet. Uh, yes. How far? How much? About 10 feet. About 10 feet. That works with, with what we have in the arrest. Eruption, uh, a 10 foot layer of molten ash will go as far as a thousand miles from the immediate explosion point. Wow, yeah, so, we'd be a great And then, by the way, yeah, yeah. So it'll go perfect, just to the edge of California, half of Washington, half of Oregon will be gone. It'll go down almost to Nebraska. So, uh, hold on, hold on a second, hold on a second, back up. What? Did you just say Washington? Oh man! W A R S H I N T. What are you guys? Where are you guys from? I am not. You know what? I have to just just to just to be safe. I don't think I want to come to your house for dinner. Dude, you're missing out, buddy. You're missing out. I'll get a. I'll get a. I'll, I'll I'll get I'll get a special 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 meal. I'll take your meal. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There you go. Mine will be full of. Mine will probably be full of X wax and all sorts of. My husband gives me a hard time about that all the time. He goes, "I want to go do the work," and he's like, "You're going to go do what?" Well, I'm going to work the dishes. And he's like, you're going to do what? I'm like, do you want to do it? That's just fine. The movie you were talking about, is that, is that do you remember, do you remember that 70s show right. when uh, Red was teaching Fez, because he was trying to get his green card, how to say America? And he and he, and he go, uh, he goes, say America. And he goes, America. And he goes, America. And he goes, America. It's just hilarious. Okay. Let's go to a commercial. Let's go to the 25 hottest guys in history. I'm sure the women want to hear this. And this is like a game show, so we're going we're gonna to do this and see who can guess. And uh, whoever wins this little game show of mine gets to close the podcast. How's that? <laughs> All right. So the first one... I'm going to give you, he rose to fame in 1950. He's most notable for his role in Rebel Without a Cause. He died in a car crash in 1955 at the age of 24. Jimmy Dean. James Dean. That's right. Okay, Janet said it. Okay, so Janet gets credit. Janet's got one up on you guys. Okay, so he was in a streetcar named Desire. Career spanned four decades, seen in many pictures. Earlier on with large arms. Yes. Rose, bursting through the t-shirts in 1950s. That was Marlon Brando. Rose's tied one-to-one for Janet. Okay, 
He started in To Catch a Thief with Grace Kelly. He was the leading man of Hollywood back then. Um, it is presumed that he might be homosexual, but it's not actually proven. Who is this guy? Very good. Very good, Jay. He was a woman's heartthrob in romantic comedies in 1950 and 1960. He was a Macmillan and wife. 1971 to 1977 with Susan St. James. Rock Hudson. Yes, Rose, you're up two to one. Rock Hudson, exactly. He was an actor and philanthropist, okay. Bright blue eyes. He was a towering inferno, married to Joanne Woodward. He has the famous dressing. Steve McQueen. The no. King of Queens. No, no, no. The Steve McQueen got dressing. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Are you talking Paul Newman? Yes, Will. That's Paul Newman. <laughs> That's right. I got that. Yeah, Joanne Woodward. Well, got the wrong. Oh, yeah. Everybody's 1 1. Okay. King of Rock and Roll hit the scene in 1950. Yes. Jay wins it. Okay, scandalous dance moves, jailhouse rock, everybody remembers Elvis. Okay, Doug the King of Cool plays his fire chief in Towering Inferno. Get most He's of the Yes, most memorable driving classic Mustang and Bullet. Exactly. Jay's up on you guys by two to one. How could any lady resist this head of hair? Suited up in a naval uniform while starring opposite Barbara Streisand and the way we were. Director of a river runs through it. And he was in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Robert, Robert Redford. Right. Jay's up now. Holy. Jay's got three to three. To, you guys won. You guys going to pull up your panties here. Okay. So he hit the screen with charming looks and a slew of westerns and action films. Also, the original Dirty Harry. Most famous quote. Go ahead. ahead. Make my day. Janet's up. Three, two, one, one. From American Gigolo and an officer and a gentleman to Deborah Winger. Richard Gere. Yes, Jay is up on you guys now. Holy, he's got four. Okay, you guys got to really pull up your socks. Okay, Oscar-winning actor had a repertoire of inspiring, powerful roles, good looks, debonair, charm. The Oscar-winning actors showed off his six-pack abs in The Hurricane. Extremely noted for like roles uh, that he normally would take, uh, such as uh, flying a plane upside down. Denzel Washington. Yes, Will. Wow, Will Sam. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how did he get that one? Eh? Perfectly mastered grunge look, greatest head of hair, blue eyes, acoustic, amazing performance on MTV, increased popularity with young women, and he was from Seattle. Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain. Right on. Who, who got that? I did. Is that Jay? Yeah, I did. Yep. Okay, oh. so Jay is now five. <laughs> He's at five. Will's at two. Janet's at two. Rose's at two. On ER as a doctor. Okay. This is George Clooney. Very good, Jay. Oh, my. He's up to six <laughs> now. He played Batman with nipples. That was George Clooney. Yes. And. <sighs> Okay, debut film as a young hitchhiker in Thelma and Louise. He was in Mr. Razor's Effect. Yes, Jay. And he made women go crazy shirtless in Fight Club. Correct. That's number 14, Brad Pitt. I'm kind of concerned how Jay knows all these. I'm going to tell you how I know. I'm going to tell you. I am going to tell you. I matter. Yeah, I will. Tell us something. It's the description of the movie. 
You're more you okay, pay, you're, you're more you gotta pay me. attention okay. to the description okay. of the movie, Rose, not the muscles and the punches. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. All right. Okay. So, actor stole all young women's hearts of flutter as Jack in Titanic. He played the Romeo in 
it's over till it's over. His ex-wife is Lisa Bonet. He's a skilled guitarist. He can play all funk, blues. Yeah. Very good, Rose. Rose is now tied with Jay. Uh, man, I was like a second away. Okay. okay. He made his debut in One Life to Live soap opera. He was in films like Cruel Intentions. I know what you did last summer. And he was formerly married to Reese Witherspoon. Uh, you know what? Uh, Ryan Philippe? Like Mayer or something. Ooh. Ryan Philippe. Rose got it. Rose takes the lead. Okay, so I'm it's giving that for Rose. Rose has taken the lead. Yeah. Okay, known for his role in TV series The Wire, Mandela, The Mountain Between Us, Hobbs and Shaw. He was recently in a show called The Dark Tower and even Thor Ragnarok, and he was rumored to be the next James Bond until he decided not to be it. Who is this guy? Number 23. Nobody. Wow. Idris Elba. Yeah, nobody points. No points on really? this guy's. Idris Elba. Who? Yeah, exactly. I don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Iris, Iris, Iris. Okay. All right, so Maggie. Oh, I won't say this. Maggie is his sister. I won't say the last name. He was acted in Spider-Man. Very, Jake very good. Wow, Rose, that was amazing. Yeah, and uh, he recently did Tit Show Spirit in Disney Strange World. Yes, Jake Gyllenhaal, at number twenty-four. Rose has taken the lead. She is now up to seven. Jay, you've got five. Will's got, what, three or four? Four. And Janet, I think you're sitting still at two. Yeah. Okay. I don't watch enough right. movies or anything to, be, <laughs> to do. Okay, number 25. Movies. He was Uncle Jesse at Full House. He made his debut in General Hospital Soap TV series. He's formerly married to Rebecca Ramon. She's noted as a very, very accomplished singer, I might add, mm -hmm. performing with the Beach, Beach Boys. And he's John, a John uh, famous. Yes, very good. Janet gets the point. Janet gets the point, and she moves uh, ahead uh, past her. Uh, or no, you guys are tied with yours. You no, you're sitting at three. Was it four? That's right. Yes. Okay. Yes. Big, biggest roles were Lord of the Rings, Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, Johnny Depp. A very common. Johnny Depp. No. 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 Was Johnny, Johnny Depp in Lord, Lord of the Rings? Come on. Come <laughs> on. Oh. <laughs> Okay. Um, I didn't watch the Lord of the Rings. Sean Austin? Sean Austin? Nope. Nope. Orlando Blue. Okay. Oh, you should have said no, he was married to Katy Perry. We would have got that one. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Katie or he's Perry. Katie. That's true. Perry, Perry, Perry's baby daddy, something like that. There you go. I should have mentioned that. There you go. Okay, so this one, this one's going to be real fast. Somebody's going to get this really fast. His real name is Marion Robert Morrison. He's famous for West John Wayne. Yes, I knew Jay was going to get that one. <laughs> so, yeah. John Wayne, number twenty-seven. And where, where, Wayne. where was he? Where was he born? Where was he born? Where was John Wayne born? Winterset, yeah. Iowa. Oh, dude. Okay, I'll give it to you. Is there anything else you would like to know about? John Wayne after I've read that. Oh, books. are you a John Wayne aficionado? Oh, I am. So. Jay is. Jay is. Um, actually, Jay, I'm going to ask you two questions here. One, what did he die of? Right of cancer. Stomach cancer after battling it for 10 years. Number two, Jay, he actually had his left lung removed in what year? And did he continue to act or did he retire at the time? He continued acting and he went on oxygen and I believe it was his... Long yeah. in 1967. 66, 64. The year I was born. 64. Yeah. 
he is one tough son of a bitch. He is really one tough guy. Uh, okay, so number 28. I give that one to Jay. So Jay is now one below Rose. Okay. Okay. All right. Canadian actor. He was in the all-new Mickey Mouse Club in 1989. He broke into acting on TV in a movie called Breaker High. His biggest film to date that Jay has not seen yet is called The Notebook with Rachel McAdam. And he's married to Eva Mendez. Who is this Oh man, I I I I I know this uh, man. It's on the tip of my tongue. I can see the guy's face too. I can see his face. I can't. He's starring in the new Barbie movie. Ryan Gosling. Yes, thank you, Will. (laughs) Will has pulled in past his mom. Oh man, that 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 was bothering me. It's his favorite goddamn fucking movie. (laughs) Right? Sakes, he has the god poster. I think the person that needs to be beat needs to lose a point for every beat. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. You know what happened? Hey, I'm going to tell you something about my. I'm going to tell you about my swearing. When I when Caitlin was 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 a little girl, they said, "Fine, you know what? You swear too much. You got to put a buck in the jar every time you swear." I would like to announce that by the age of six, Caitlin's. Uh, College, college was paid for it completely. Caitlin <laughs> <Jason, laughs> is going to Harvard. I'm the swearing jar, huh? Okay. All right. So, from Silver Linings Playbook to The Hangover to the remake of A Star is Born, this guy has it all. Charisma, he can sing, good looks, great body. Women will never forget his performance in American Sniper. Who is this guy? Um, Are you talking Bradley Cooper? Yes, Will. Very good. And the last one. Okay. So there's no possible way you can win, Will, or get it. Sorry to say that. Rose is the only one that can... uh, I'm going to give... I'm going to... Actually, no. The last one. So this is going to be between me and Rose, then. No, actually... I'm going to win the No, I'm going to make the last one even interesting. I'm going to give five points to the last one. Oh, so you guys, any of you could actually win. Okay, so. Pull it out now. Come on. All right. So, he was recently in a fantastic movie called Dog. He's known for a stripper as Magic Mike. He was at 21 Jump Street for five points. Oh. Who is this guy? Jadam Tanning. Tanning Jadam. Whatever the hell his name is. Tanning Tatum. Jay got it. Jay wins. Jay will get to close out the podcast tonight. Very good. Jay, extremely well. The fact that you know a lot of men makes me concerning. Maybe we know why he doesn't have a girlfriend, right? Well, <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Oh, man. I had to, I had to bury my girlfriend in the in the desert because I jumped on her and her head popped off. I played it. I just didn't have enough duct tape. Didn't have enough duct tape. Okay, but here's an interest, here's an interesting tidbit of information about one of uh, Mr. Terry Grant. You know who his lover was. No, no, no. I'm sure you know. The fact that you know Western concerns actor. me. Concerns me. Yeah. <laughs> it ruined it ruined his lover's career. Okay, go ahead and tell us. Randall Scott. Oh, there you go. Okay. Really? Ever ever heard the song Whatever Happened to Randall Scott? 
Cast that how? It was a major country hit way back in okay. the 80s. What had happened is Harry Grant's diaries found. They had a secret affair for like 20 years. There you go. He died. Wow. You heard it here on yeah. Highway Freaks, folks. No Because I always thought, I always thought, you know, Cary Grant, gay? Yeah. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Okay. Well, look at Rock Hudson. He was funny. So who's got another topic? Yeah, you got mine. Uh, All right, Janet. You're up. All right. Okay. So a company called ArcBest is launching um, a way to actually load trailers in a matter of you know, five, ten minutes or less. What they've done uh, is, yep, yep, they've developed this system where they can load 26 feet of trailer at one time. It will also have um, tracking ability, and they'll be able to visually check on the load. It will also eliminate the need for load securement. It's a platform that has its own computer system in it. Not sure how well that's going to go with refrigeration, but, um, yeah, and it can be hooked up to just about any forklift that exists right now. So it's basically a platform. They, they can have a whole bunch of um, forklifts load on both sides of this platform, and then it secures the... The monitoring system is, is activated so they can check on it at any time remotely and they can load 26 feet of trailer at one time. So they can actually literally load a 53-foot trailer in under 10 minutes. What's wow. the name of that movie where all the machines killed everybody? So, yeah, iRobot. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, no, not that one. Not that no. one. Terminator? No, ACDC did the soundtrack. Who made who? Way too. Oh, yeah, that Come on, that's Maximum Overdrive. Maximum Overdrive. Uh, man, we okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. We are coming so close to that day. Yeah, so well... That, that would eliminate the lumpers, right? Um, that would, that would no, eliminate not, the lumpers. not completely, not completely, no. Because they still have to uh, get the pallets ready, because it still goes on pallets, right? Uh, but pallets will be loaded on this platform. So they can all be preloaded or whatever prior to getting loaded on the trailer, right? So it can save them time, which means rather than drivers sitting for six, eight hours in the dock, you could be in and out of there in 10 minutes, which will increase productivity for not only the drivers, but for the warehouse staff, right? I, I agree with that because the lumper's been screwing truck drivers for years. Yep. I mean, oh, what yeah. they charge is astronomical. Yep, yep. Actually, I shouldn't say that. The lumping companies are screwing the trucking companies because the lumpers themselves make barely minimum wage. Yeah. So, no, i got to stand corrected on that. Yeah, it's it's the lumping company, the company that hires the lumpers, that makes the money. Yeah. I mean, they make, they the make, a, ton, make. They make a ton of money. They sure do. I never sure do. I never even heard. I never even heard of a lumper until I went trucking. In I never heard of a lumper. Well, no, I'd, I'd heard the term, but I never, until I did reefer work, I never actually yes, yes. had to pay to get anything unloaded. Well, I always did. I always did low bed, that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
I so did. I did. I was the know, lumber. Yeah, I I did. I did the flat bed. I did the double drops. I did the you know the step yeah. back over dimensional. So I never did a lot of that. I mean, I did drive in. I did some reefer prior to this last company, but um, yeah, until I did reefer, I had never had to pay anybody to unload my trailer, even drive out. I never more. had to worry about it. More and more Canadian companies are adopting the lumper. Yeah. Including Loblaw. Overweighty. Overweighty. Yeah. Well, I'm, well I'm, Federated Loblaws. Co-op. Loblaws is doing it. Uh, Federated Co-op. Federated Co-op. They've been doing that it for way, a long time. That way, yeah, because that way they don't have to pay their warehousemen. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Well, no, anything that can speed up time because... You know, when you think of how many times we're sitting at a dock waiting to be loaded and how much that chews into our e-log, I'm all for it. I'm all for 15, 20-minute loading. Hey, this boom, brah. Well, there's no reason. There is no, absolutely no reason that a truck shouldn't be unloaded or loaded within an hour. Yeah. I'm sorry. I've done it. I I've used to load well, my own truck and then go and deliver. Let's hope you this can't load sooner than later. That would be cool. Yeah, it's especially still, at, at it's still you know a lot of these right now. Yeah, where's it coming out of? It's out of the U.S. Okay, so then yeah. that means it'll reach Canada probably by the year <laughs> oh 2030. Well, I don't know. Oh no, 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 it'll be a lot longer than that. It'll be a lot longer than that. Well, it's in the testing phase yeah. now. They've got um, one company that they're working with specifically to test it. And once the testing phase is done, then it'll be, you know, up there for marketing. So, all right, Canada is Canada is so far behind in the in the in the in the terms of trucking. Yeah, but they're first. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. So, does Ramsey have his singing voice ready, Jim? Ramsey's. Ramsey's. Hey, butthead, <laughs> you gonna sing? Come here. Here we go. <clears throat> Can you sing for mom? Um, oh, can you sing for everybody? Oh, 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 oh. Can you sing? Sing? Sing for the cows? You gonna sing for the cows? <laughs> Thank you, baby. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. That is cool. Anything four-legged. He will sing for. He can uh, hear a commercial and know that there is an animal in that commercial and will begin to sing for the dogs, for the cats, for the horses, for whatever happens to be on His loudest singing voice comes when mom goes to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I walk out the door and I can hear him down at my pet cap, you know? <laughs> I'm a... <laughs> Kelly, Kelly does that at home when I get home. She'll, you know, in the morning especially, she'll talk. Uh, Bandit, he doesn't sing, but, man, he does the most spins you've ever seen any dog do in your entire stinking life. Like, he'll spin eight to ten times, and he will not be dizzy. He'll just carry on. I, I, I tried that. I fell down. Not him. Nope. Yeah, and then, I, yeah. then we've got Faith, who, at the door, she'll greet you her... Her butt is curled up to her head, and she's got teeth going, smiling away. And, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think what's what does your dog do trick at tricks at all there, Jay, or just uh, the 
the queen. Which one? Which which one? Oh, the queen. Pepper? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. She does do this this trick. She has this uh, squeaky toy that has a rope on each end. Okay. And her tr- what her trick is is she likes to squeak it in my ear and then swing it by the rope and beat me in the head when I'm. <laughs> Oh, Ramses. Ramses has another trick. He loves his balls, right? (laughs) I didn't quite mean it that way. That's the way it happened when it came out. Um, But he loves loves playing with a ball. And if he wants to play really, really badly, he'll actually throw it at you with his mouth. Well, can attest to this because he's done it numerous times. (laughs) Yeah, he'll... That's cool. He'll throw it at you with his mouth. Before we get into Ray Crone's uh, part two interview, we will uh, listen to your topic. Okay, so um, this this breach, um, well, I'm going to go on about a breach, and this breach uh, affects anybody that um, is using safety procedures such as LastPass and uh, Password Manager or whatever. But um, LastPass, that was actually hacked as well. So um, what uh, what LastPass, these companies basically uh, encrypt your password or like, you know, w- w- whatever information you put into there. And encryption could be like uh, UTF-8 or uh, just some, some type of encoding. Um, could also be, you know, there. Uh, I, there's also sites that have gone to base 64, which is, you know, you can decode that, whatever. But someone has um, has hacked LastPass, and uh, they just revealed that the second attack uh, attack resulted in uh, the breach of encrypted password vaults. So, again, um, just like the last uh, hack I, I, I went on to explain about, um, this involves, again, an Amazon AWS cloud storage server so basically on um on the same server um but the same server that um uh LastPass is on and uh, the, the 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 issue with this is um a lot of people uh especially like high-end business people they, they end up using apps like this and it it just um they they don't understand the danger of um keeping all your stuff stored in one one basket um i mean through life they they like there's like people are supposed to teach us you know don't put everything in one basket but you know people end up doing that but this is the second time so uh the first the first time was on august 12th of 2022 um there, there actually i think this would be the third time then because uh the first one was on august 12th uh 2022 the second time was on october 26 2022 and now again, they're 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 having issues. Um, and I I I was talking about like encryption and whatever. So I guess this this particular vault data was uh, protected using uh, 256-bit AES encryption. But um, you you know some of their some of the things are are, are outdated. You know. Um, like we we've talked about on previous podcasts, man. It doesn't matter how safe your website is or your system is. Like, uh, if I can get into your server, it's still gonna it's still gonna be a bad day for you. And these things are called uh, so these servers are called AWS S3 buckets. This is the same technique 
hackers used to expose um, the people who were donating to, um, I don't want to get political here, um, but people who were donating to the uh, truckers' convoy. So uh, the truckers' convoy, right, uh, through Gibbs and Go, was uh, through an AWS S3 bucket as well. And um, we all know what, what, what that revealed, such as, like, names, credit card numbers, uh, how much money you donated, you know, basically all the information. Any questions? No, but I do, I do want to give you a topic next week I want to hear about. Okay. I want to hear about TikTok and their affiliation with China. Oh! I figured, I figured you'd like that one. So, um, in the interest of time, G-Man has got to go, so he's nominated you, Rose, to close the show tonight for podcast number 24. It's been a great time. Um, tonight, guys, we've had a lot of fun and frivolity, but uh, Jay, as, like I said, real truck is real life. He's got to go and, uh, you know, finish off his e-log for the night. So um, we're going to do some pylon shout-outs. So anybody that wants to do a pylon shout-out, I want to give a pylon shout-out. So, um, and I will give a pylon shout-out to not only my wife, who's been doing a phenomenal job at home, but I will also give one to my stepson, who's been helping my wife. Anyway, that's all I got to say. Your life is like a coin. You can spend it any way you wish. You can only spend it once. And now, on Highway Freaks, we have part two of the Ray Crow interview. Welcome to Bright Guy's one-on-one bandwagon, and you're with Bright Guy. Today, we have Ray Crone. I want to get back into uh, when Ray was stabbed in prison. That did happen, right, Ray? Yeah, that was that was on my second trial. Now, see, when I was on death row, there was very, very little access to people. As I said, when you come back from wreck, they'd open up one door to let you go down and walk down to the shower. There was, the only shower was down in the floor, uh, so they would, that was the only time that you could actually leave your cell, not be in handcuffs. And shackled. Uh, there are times when you go down to your shower, you walk over to somebody's cell, they call you over to give you a book or talk to you or something. Uh, so there were some stabbings that went on. Mine happened when I got a life sentence. The second trial, they wouldn't send me back to death row. Uh, I got a life sentence. Now I'm walking around what they call the walls. Now I'm in the yard. Uh, things happen there regularly. This was the worst of the worst that were not on death row. So if you want to leave that for the next, uh, next chapter or whatever, but it, that was after my second conviction. We can continue with that poster. Oh, sure. We, we can continue. I just want to know, like, was it like a random or was someone out to get you? Oh, no. No, no. no, no, no they were definitely out to get me. Uh, the, the, the background story was simple as this. Uh, as I said, I worked in a law library when I was on death row. Later on, when I got sentenced to life and got put into walls, 
which is just what they say, 30-foot high walls and prisons from like the 19th, early 1900s. So it's the old, they film movies there, in fact, in this place. But uh, I got, I was able to get a job at the law library there. Uh, you had two guards in a glassed-in room looking into where the room where the books were. Inmates would come and had kind of like a metal drop box, one of those one-way things. You'd lean it one way, you put something in it, you lean it the other way. The other person on the other side of the wall takes it out. Uh, and in this case here, one of the inmates, our, our prisons are run by gangs. It's just a simple fact. Whatever color you are, whatever race you are, there is a gang for you. Uh, one of the white uh, fellows wanted me to do a tap pattern and set it right in front of the guards. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. We don't do that here. Uh, and later on, DR, he wanted to get even for me for not, not making a tap pattern for him after the copy machine. Uh, I wasn't ready for it. A uh, guy came up behind me. Luckily, I was talking to a shot caller which is to the, the people in the gangs or the person and, and you know, each little breakdown in the cell block, uh, 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 a yard, uh, you know, uh, has a shot caller for, for the, the different gangs. I was talking to one of the shot callers about what had happened, about how this little youngster running his mouth in front of a guard like that. And about that time, the person I was talking to yanked on me and pulled me aside. I got just barely got nicked on the side of my, my hip. And so they usually try to stab me in the neck or the kidney. Uh, but, but luckily, I was talking about it at the time. So it really, and that's the end of You don't report stuff. You take care of it one way or another. It was all quashed. And, but it was all over a tack pattern. So you're stabbing, you're, you're stabbing the hip or the side of, of, of your... I got, I got stabbed just, just above my belt, waistline in my shirt. We were out at recreation there. I had a, actually had a sweatshirt on it. It, it barely a nick. I mean, it was, it, was it, 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 it drew blood, but it was only about two inches long around my side. But again, the person I was talking to thankfully knew what was going on and pulled me out of the way. Uh, you can, well, let's just say you always got to be alert at, at prison, especially when you're out at rec yard. Okay, so when you were in prison, it was discovered that the hairs found on Tim and Kona were actually mongoloid hares, meaning they were Asian or indigenous, indigenous descent, correct? Uh, that actually was part of the testimony, not the first trial. Um, the first trial, they said that, that hairs on the, on the victim's body were, 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 were uh, how do they say that, uh, were similar to mine or were, were they, you know, uh, they, they like to use different words that sound like uh, were, were consistent. They said the hairs were found in Tim's body were consistent with mine. But they classified, classified them as mongoloid, which basically yes, they're, they mean that's, that basically means it's not your hair. They're Asian or indigenous descent. And here's another crazy thing. Your shoe size is 10.5, even though the shoe mark is 9.5. And then from what I understand, Dr. Sperber has said that this evidence was there before, and it raised even more doubts to whether you were the killer. So why on earth did they discount Emmett Phillips as a murderer. Well, and again, because of the two different trials, the first trial was a stay three and a half days. They weren't even full days. The, the half day was the, the defense. My my court appointed attorney was granted five thousand dollars to defend me. You can't even get a divorce for five thousand dollars. So so he did nothing. He didn't call you know, witnesses in the evidence. The, the majority of the evidence that we found out was the second trial when my family was able to get an attorney. Uh, Chris Ford, and in comparison, that second trial was seven and a half weeks long. Over 500 exhibits were introduced. Three bite mark experts testified to the defense. It was a completely different trial. So it's easy to get some of the evidence confused, but the unfortunate thing is, or the fortunate thing is, the previous police bar did at least document this evidence. And when somebody with actual skills and talents on the defense on my side actually looked at and found out these inconsistencies, it was brought out of my second trial. Yes, absolutely. A hair found in her body matched were of either American Indian or or, or a, a mongoloid descent, you know, it could be uh, even a, 
uh, Mexican-American, but it was no way it could have been a Caucasian. So I was completely excluded from those hairs, but yet it never came up in the first trial. And in fact, the FBI, some stuff had been sent to the FBI, and it came back inconclusive, not to me, so they covered that up. My second trial, my attorney, Chris Jordan, found out that the FBI, we were going to have the FBI agent testify. The prosecutor got all upset that we knew about that and then said, he's on our, our, our list, he's going to be testifying for us. He had no evidence to help them, but it had to keep them from having us have an FBI agent testify before a jury. It would have looked real bad for that prosecutor. So there was a number of things that really that should have came out at the first trial because the, the incompetence of my court-appointed attorney did nothing. It was only the second trial with these evidence that you're talking about now came up. And that subsequently was why the judge decided that well, the judge said he had lingering and residual doubt of my guilt. And that's why he sent me to life instead of sending me back to death row. So the DNA match program is what pinpointed Kenneth Phillips. Can you, can you elaborate on a little more of how that program works and how it actually pinpointed him? Oh, thank God for DNA. Uh, as uh, some of us might remember, I do because I was in prison and it was important to me. But, you know, DNA was, was new in 1992 when I was first arrested my first trial. It was very new. Now, by 96, when, uh, when, when my second trial had started, uh, OJ was going through trial. Uh, that's when DNA started becoming more commonplace. People started hearing about it. But it was very confusing. And anybody ever listened to any of that testimony knows how boring it was and how confusing it was. But there was such a thing as DNA available in my case. And it was only by the second trial that my attorney, Chris Ford from California, that knew about DNA, was able to track down the, the, uh, from the, they took a swab from the, one of the bite mark on the press, one of the best bite marks was on the press. And for your viewers, I want to explain this. It's not like this looked like a sandwich bite where you got every tooth there. There was about, out of what, we have 30, 32 teeth, there was about four or five marks that this expert said matched my teeth because uniqueness of, of, of the front tooth. So it wasn't a full, complete dental chart there of your teeth. Uh, and, then, and, then, and then again, that's the kind of stuff that, that is misleading the jury. Oh, it's consistent with Mr. Crone. All that meant it was more likely than not. You know, it's not like it's absolutely a match. It was more like it could be. Uh, but, that, but when you say it's consistent, jurors would hear, well, that's a match. Um, so this evidence that, that we were talking about now, the, the bite mark evidence, the stuff that happened like that, the DNA, that stuff had all been looked over by the police department in 1992, but there was nothing, the science was not at the, at, at the level to do anything with it. Everything that they did did not match me, and it was no use to them, so they denied they had it. My attorney, again, at the second trial, Chris Ford, found that evidence up in a lab in Colorado, had it sent out to Dr. Blake in California, who was a DNA expert on, on OJ's trial, took the smallest amount of DNA, which was identified as saliva, from this bite mark on the breast, and, and, and got a DNA profile from that, and actually, it was testified in my second trial that the saliva from the bite mark that their experts said I made was not my DNA. So you can imagine how great that sounded for me. My family actually came out was living in a, a, a RV behind a friend's house there in Apache Junction. Stayed there for the seven weeks. Friends would get off work and come in and tell Imagine how great that was for us to hear that DNA from the bite mark that I'm alleged to made was not my DNA, not my saliva. Your absolute first... Uh your first indication of your innocence, really. Why did the police of Maricopa County eliminate Kenneth Phillips as a suspect when, in fact, he was a repeat sex offender, Ray? Well, the funny thing is that they never looked at anybody else. As I said, they arrested me just after two days. They weren't interested in finding anybody. Even after there was actually a note found left next door, that the murder was the bar was in a strip mall. It was on like an L-shaped mall. A little at one end was a big grocery store. At the other end was where this bar was, but it was it was the next to last 
building, there was a shoe store right at the very end of that L shape. And, and uh, somebody had come out and left a note saying, you're looking for a, a, a Mexican uh, American, probably about five feet eight. Uh, they gave a description of hair. I had, I had actually had uh, hair down the middle of my back. I wore a ponytail, so I had a full beard at the time. Uh, but anyway, they gave a description of this person. The guy said that, that uh, the person that wrote the notes said, I can't come forward. I got a warrant, but, you know, get the person. I seen him. And it turned out this person was a worker uh, that got up early and had seen this this description of the person was hanging out behind the back door of the bar in the alleyway. It was back there. Uh, there was also another person that was cleaning the sidewalks at the same time on that same Saturday night. He was hired to do these sidewalks regularly in pressure washing. And he gave a description of the police. They tracked this wash. He gave a description of the police. They actually had showed in my picture that it wasn't me. They covered that up. Uh, but both of these descriptions were the same. Kenneth Phillips was never identified until finally in 2001, uh, we actually were able to get DNA testing done on the clothing that was, was, was preserved from her. She had actually been stabbed so hard with a butcher knife from the kitchen through her clothing that it actually bent the blade of this butcher knife. Some of our experts, of forensic people, had said that probably the person that did this uh, might have well cut themselves on the edge of that knife because of that force. And we were able to, the police had saved the clothing that had been cut off her after the stabbing. Uh, we were able to get a look at it. There was blood on her pants, inside of her pants, and on her underwear. And, and by that, we were able to get DNA testing done in, in the, uh, by the state of Arizona. And that was done by the Phoenix Police Department's crime lab, which by now in 2002, DNA was being saved all around the country. Only law enforcement agencies had access that DNA. Just like fingerprints were being stored, this was called CODIS. It was, it was for DNA. When they actually extracted that DNA from her pants, from her underwear, it wasn't me. It wasn't Kim. Now they had that database right there where they could put that DNA in there. And that's when Kenneth Phillips' name came up. And that's when the Phoenix Police Department went to interview him. And in 15-minute interview, they left and didn't say nothing about it. We were finally able to get our expert to go down and question him, and that's when he actually admitted that he woke up the next morning with blood on his hands and wondered, my God, what did I do? Uh, and eventually he was identified. He did confess to the murder. I was released, and he was uh, he was took a plea bargain and was serving a life sentence for that murder. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I listened to his testimony, and i got to be honest with you, it was pathetic because it's, they made it look like, oh, poor Ken. This is what happened. He got drunk and he and he killed this woman so violently. I don't buy into any of it. That that was that was a brutal crime, and that would consist of a rape, a person that was uh, you know a rapist. But it would also consist of someone that had such a hate for women because of the violence that was involved in it. But they painted it as as feeling sorry for him. It was really quite pathetic. I don't know if you've seen that interview or or, or heard of it, but my God, it's it's horrible actually, because they made him uh, like, a, like a pity crime. Uh, I'm not surprised. As I said, well, my investigator, who was an ex-detective, a man that actually got involved in my case called Post-Conviction Relief, uh, working on my case, but he actually went down to see Kenneth Phillips. He actually could see the, the, the sign in log and see where this detective from the Phoenix Police Department was there. We knew his name. I'm not gonna, I don't need to mention it, but could see that this man was there, and he was there for 15 minutes. He asked Kenneth Phillips what he asked him. He said, the detective asked him, he said, were you there? Oh, yeah, I told him no. Or my, my investigator said, well, what did you tell him? He said, I told him no. And, you know, and that's all the investigator did. They actually, when they found out his name, they tried to cover it up. They kept running. They ran four, three more DNA tests after this was a match to try to get it. Then they tried to coerce him to say I was there with him. That's oh, how bad no. it was. 
when I found out about that, I said, you know what? I'm Godzilla. You're Tokyo. I'm coming after you. They tried to keep me in there even after this man that had brutally murdered Kim and Cody, who had a record of sexually assaulting a child. He'd been charged with and doing time. He had sexually assaulted a woman. and been charged with did time for that. He was actually out of parole at the time of the murder. Uh, this was a man they were trying to make a deal with to keep my name and my family in this as a murderer. Uh, and that's when we actually filed a lawsuit against him when I was finally released uh, because of that. that. That is what they did. That's the extreme that the city's police department went to to cover up their incompetence and to try to keep me as a murderer. Do you actually sue Kenneth Phillips, his family? No, couldn't sue Kenneth Phillips. We sued the county and the city. We were unable to sue Ray Rosen. He was protected under the prosecutor's cloak of immunity. But no, we did not sue Kenneth Phillips. But we did sue them for trying to protect Kenneth Phillips and make him tie me in as a murderer to us. Have you ever, to this day, have you ever spoke to him or uh, had any conversation or text with him? No, I didn't, and I have, I have no desire to. Uh, uh, I, I mean, he committed a horrible murder. It's a horrible thing. It's the incompetence of the police department that allowed him to be free. For as long as he was, unfortunately for another another person though, uh, he was out on parole as I say at the time of the murder. Within a few months of that, uh, the story that I'd heard, he was staying with a friend or acquaintance or whatever, and uh, that that person woke up the next day and found Phillips in bed or in the bedroom of his young daughter, and he was charged with that and was serving a ten year sentence at the time that our that I was in prison, and he was serving a ten year sentence, and uh, and at the time the DNA test that hit on him, he was about to be released. Uh, he was not released. He was subsequently charged with the murder and doing time for, for Kim Dakota's murder. But yeah, this this is a man the police department, the Phoenix police department was trying to make a deal with. And so he, he is doing life, right? Yes, he, he's, he's, he would not get out. Uh, I believe he's got in over 100. Before he'd be 100, he would be released. And I don't have a problem with that. I used to support the death plea. You know what? Killing somebody does not bring that person back. It's the power of a state that I don't think any of us should give to them. And the fact is, they get it wrong too many times. Wow. Well, well thank you, Brian, for the opportunity. Again, uh, uh, it was a pleasure uh, to share that with you. And uh, to all your fans and, and the podcast listeners that are, keep on trucking. Thank you for what you do.